It comforts me as I hurry along, past the Blackwall Tunnel, over the dock bridges, until finally I'm in Cubit Town. A ship's whistle sounds as I turn into East Ferry Road. The wind is sharp, demented. It tugs at my hair and flings grit into my eyes, so I have to squint and hold my hat down hard on my head. An old greengrocer is standing in front of his shop, arms crossed, with his apron flapping in the squall. I walk up to him, smiling. Yes, miss, he says, smiling back and jangling the coins inside his apron pocket. I was just calling about a job. What job? He's frowning now and the coins fall silent. Just any job. Sorry, dear, he says turning to rearrange a display of small apples. A terrier pads out from the shop and the greengrocer shoes him back inside. Thank you anyway, sir. I carry on walking, head held high. I try the newsagent two doors down, then the chandlers and even the sweet shop on the corner. No luck. At the crossroads, I turn right into Glengall Road. I've not been this far down the Isle of Dogs in ages. Not since Dora dragged me to a bazaar at the Liberal and Radical Association because a boy she liked was running the dipping tub. That was a warm spring day, but this morning everything is darker. Two men in oil-specked waistcoats lean against a wall outside the George pub. Beyond them rise the blackened arches of the railway viaduct. Morning, one of them says, while the other whistles a long, low note. Lecherous beggars they are. Got to be careful with men like that. Keep your eyes straight ahead. There's a calf opposite the pub. Double fronted and the windows busy with advertisements and chalkboards so that it's hard to see inside. Sticking out of the roof guttering is a crooked tin teapot. Flowers are growing from the spout. Those pink jobs you see all over the show. Vandal root, we call it. Posh name, Valerian. Supposed to be good for the nerves. I cross the road towards the calf, and the closer I get to the teapot, the further I crane my neck up to see it. I should know better. Really, I should. Because it sets off that feeling again. The sense of falling. I steady myself against a lamppost, try to breathe in deep. But all I get is a lungful of kipper stink from the fish shop nearby. What I need now is a cup of hot tea, plenty of sugar. There's a sign in the calf window that says, Nestle's Milk, open. When I push the door, a tiny bell rings. It's busy inside, the air all chewy with tobacco smoke and grease. Squat dockers with thick wrists and sloping shoulders stare at me over half-raised spoons. I make for the woman at the counter. Morning, she says. She's older than me, forty-ish and fat, wearing a plain apron over a high-neck blouse. Her hair is folded into a white net, and when she smiles, her wide-spaced teeth and little pink-rimmed eyes put me in mind of the Lipton's pig. Cup of tea, please. Soon as I've said it, I wonder where I'll sit. Might be easiest to stand at the counter, keep my back to the men. Next to a jar of pickles on the counter is a plate piled with currant buns. A small square of cardboard rests against the plate. Buns, 
a halfpenny, written in pencil. I take out my purse and put a coin on the counter. I'll have a currant bun and all, I say. Good girl. The woman claws at the top bun with a pair of tongs and places it on a plate. Marge? I nod, and there's a whoosh inside my mouth. Ravenous I am. The woman slices the bun, then spreads each half with margarine. Flick, flick, all smooth and graceful, like the bone-handled knife is part of her body, an extra finger. She turns to a high shelf behind the counter and picks a china cup, rather than the tin mugs lined up on the shelf below. From a huge pot she pours my tea. The steam curls from the spout in a lazy mist, and suddenly my legs feel weak. I have the curious feeling of wanting to lie down right there on the floor and sleep for a long time.